up on the inside, you guys. Because that's why we're here, right? We're here to celebrate the birth of Jesus, and we can sing hallelujah. And what does hallelujah mean? Hallelujah means praise be to God, Yahweh. Praise be to God. And what does praise mean? Praise means that we give admiration and adoration to God. And we can admire because we admire something that God did for us. Because over 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to earth. And now some of us, you might hear this story every single Christmas season and you might think, that sounds like a fairy tale. Because we, when we think of a story, we think of a non-true story, right? A fiction story. But the story of Christmas and the story of Jesus Christ coming to earth is very real. And I want us to read, starting in Luke this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up your Bibles. But I want to read this passage to you in Luke. And it says this, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. You can read something like that and you can think that sounds like a fairy tale story. But let me just tell you something. This is not a once upon a time fairy tale story because when you actually read it, it talks about a specific time and a specific place. It talks about Caesar Augustus. It talks about Quirinius overseeing Syria. It talks about this time when they sent out the decree about everybody having to come because they were going to take a census. Those are real facts. I heard a pastor tell a story one time about how he was at a barbecue or something and he was talking to this guy and he found out that he was a pastor and the guy goes, well, I don't really believe in the Bible. And so the pastor said, oh, what part? Because what part is it? Is it the part that records the history, the historical books that recounts what happened in the past? Is it the poetry books that you have of various authors that wrote all of these poems? Is it the part that Paul wrote all of these letters and sent them out to the church? What part of the Bible don't you believe? Because those things actually happened. Jesus was real. He did come. He was born he walked among us. He breathed. He did miracles. And then he was beaten. He was crucified. And he rose on the third day. And you, you can talk to any historian, any true historian, and they will not debate you on whether or not Jesus was a real person who came. Now, they might debate you on whether or not he was the son of God. But no true historian will actually debate whether or not Jesus was real. Because he really did come. And he really did breathe and live 
among us. He showed up. He did miracles. And so today, we can sing hallelujah. We can come and we can worship together and we can lift the name of Jesus because we can admire the fact that Jesus came. He did something for us. He did something for us. And you might be thinking, oh, well, he came so that we could go to heaven. That's it too. But that is just the beginning of what Jesus did. Some of us have have only known our Christian walk as, oh, Jesus came so that one day we can go to heaven. Well, one day may be very far away, right? And what are we going to do right now? You know, God cares for our life right here, right now, and not just years later when we get to heaven one day. He wants to do things in our life right now. So we've been in the series the last few weeks. If, if you're newer to the rock, this is what I hope and pray. I pray that God will speak to you today and the things that we're about to talk about, man, that you will see and you will open your heart to receive because God wants to do something in your life today. So we've been in this, in this passage in Isaiah 43. It says, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It says, do not remember the former things. Do you know how you don't remember something? It's not forgetting something. When you forget something, of course you're not going to remember because you're not even thinking about it. Right? But when the Bible says, do not remember, it's actually saying, please be intentional. Make a choice to not remember the things that have happened in the past. There are some of us in here today, you have been tormented by your past. You can't stop thinking about the things that have happened to you. You keep playing in your mind over and over again the things that you should have done, the things that you could have done the different paths that you should have taken or could have taken, the different choices you could have made or should have made. You lay in bed thinking about it every single night, and it is literally tormenting you. And this is what God is saying. Do not remember the former things. Make the choice today to not remember those things because your past does not define you. There may have been a blip in your journey, but guess what? God is bigger than your past, right? God is bigger than your past. There is nothing that we've done in the past or should have done or could have done that God can't make it work today. And then he goes on and he says, behold, I want to do a new thing, a new thing. Now it shall spring forth now. Now, now, there are things that have happened in the past. Let me tell you something. God is very real. Let me tell you something else. The devil is very real, right? The devil is very real. And did you know that the devil is not omniscient? What does the devil only know? The devil only knows the things that have already happened. The devil knows that God has good plans for you, but he doesn't know what they are. 
And what he's going to do is he's going to try and keep you in the past and think, make you continually think about the things you cannot change to make you uh, distracted by the things that God wants to do today, right now, on the things that you can change. See, the tactic of the enemy is very, very sly. You think that it's your mind telling you, oh, look at all the things you've done in the past, and that is the enemy coming in. He's masking his voice to make it sound like yours. You've listened to that voice for way too long, and you think, oh, that must be right, and God's telling you today, oh, no, do not remember the former things. Now, today, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing. I want to do a new thing. Some of us, we've got God all wrong. You think that God's punishing you. You think that God is trying to put rules on your life. And God wants good things for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. I love that scripture, right? He says what? His plans for you. He has good plans for you. A future full of hope. That's what he says. A future full of hope. What does the enemy know? Sometimes, let me tell you this. Sometimes I think the enemy I think Satan believes more in our future than we do ourselves. Why do you think he tries so hard to keep you down? Because he believes that God has good things for you. And sometimes he believes more than we do. And so today, today God's saying, believe me. Believe what I have for you. I want a good, I have good things for you. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? What does that mean? Shall you not know it? That means you're not going to miss it. I'm going to make it so big. Shall you not know it? It's going to be so obvious. I'm going to make a, a way in the wilderness, in rivers in the desert. That means if you have been in this place, if you have been feeling lost, disoriented, confused, if you've been in a place where it's dry land and you can't get refreshed, God says, I am going to do a new thing. Shall you not know it? I'm going to make it so plain. You cannot miss it. What you can do, though, is you can choose not to take it. You can look at it and say, well, I don't know if that's for me. That road might be for somebody else. That river might be for somebody else. And God's saying, that river's for you. That way out is for you. Today is the day. The best is not behind you. The best is in front of you. Amen? The best is not behind you. The best is in front of you. Something else the enemy likes to do is if you've had a really great past, the enemy will come in and tell you, oh, your life will never be as good as that. If you had a really awful, traumatic past, the enemy will come in and say, oh, man, you're going to be held back by that. Whichever way the enemy spins it, we lose. But whichever way the God comes in, if God is in the mix, we always win. We always win. God always comes and brings us into victory. 
So I don't like to waste time. I'll tell you that right now. I, am, I hate wasting time. I do. One of my biggest pet peeves is missing my exit on the highway. My biggest, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. What a time waster. You know, we all have 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And we can look at other people's lives and, and they're doing such awesome, crazy things. And you're looking at your life thinking, why am I stuck? I'll tell you why. Because the enemy's gotten in. It's not time. It's not a lack of time. I think that sometimes. If I just had more time, it's not time. Time is not what we need. God is what we need. And if we've been trying to do it ourselves, if we've been, if we've been in this place where we have felt stuck, God's saying, oh, I've got a good message for you today because I'm about to bust you out of there, right? I'm about to bust you out of there. We do not have to be stuck. The visions and the dreams that God has for your life are not too late. Do you guys remember this guy named Moses? Moses was the guy that God picked to bring Israel out of slavery from Egypt. Well, when Moses was around 40 years old, he had this dream. He began to see it a little bit. He wanted to help his people. He was in the palace realizing, those are my people out there, slaves. And so what did he do? He started trying to help. And in the midst of that, what happens? He kills a guy. He kills a guy. And so he runs, right? So he had this dream, I'm going to help my people. Then this hiccup happens. So then he runs into the desert and he becomes a shepherd for 40 years. 40 years passes. Man, sometimes when you're waiting five years, you're like, oh, well, I guess I can keep waiting. 10 years, all right, maybe it's going to come to pass. 20 years, 30 years. Moses was 80 years old when he met God in a burning bush. 80 years old. Do you think that God's plan for his life changed because time passed? Because he killed a guy? God's plan for him hasn't changed. Actually, in that moment, when Moses came and said, yes, God, God supernaturally made something happen. And he made it happen faster than Moses could have done in the natural. He accelerated him. And when he went back, it began the process of Moses fulfilling what God had put on his heart 40 years ago. Some of us in here, you've had dreams. You've had visions. You've had things that God has spoken to you that he wants you to do. And a lot of time has passed, and you've made some mistakes. And God is saying, none of that matters. Now is the time. I'm calling you now. If you think you need a sign, here's your sign. If you want a burning bush moment, this is it. God is saying, now is the time. He has things for you that he still wants you to accomplish. If you think you messed up too much, you guys remember? There is this prophet, Joel. Joel went and he talked to her. He wrote this book and he said, man, you guys have done some stuff. 
He's talking to the children of Israel. You guys have done some stuff. You guys have walked away from God. You guys have disobeyed his commandments. And this is what you see in your land. You see the locusts coming to eat your stuff. You see devastation. And you see drought. And nothing is happening for you. Right? Because of their disobedience. Some of us, that's the reality. We're walking in the consequences of our sin. And Joel says to the children of Israel, Behave. If you will just turn and repent, this is what he says in verse two, in chapter 225. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. What is he saying? Now is the time. If you will turn and if you will come, come and look at God again and say yes to God. Not only, not only do I want good for you, I will restore the things that should have been yours and I'm going to restore them to you now. And so if you think that there have been things in your life that you've done that take you out of whatever God's saying today, you're not that special. Right? We all need Jesus, and he's saying to all of us, he wants this for our life. He wants to restore things. He wants to bring those visions to pass. And so I'm going to read that scripture one more time. Do not... Remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Over 2,000 years ago, a baby boy's cry pierced the night and brought hope into the world. And God did a new thing back then. And God's doing a new thing today for us. At your seats, you'll see that there are these cards. They're craft paper cards and envelopes. This is what I want in response. Uh, if you're sitting in the back, they might be in the baskets right in front of you. If you guys can help pass those around. It's really important for us to not sit here and hear a message like that and say in your heart, yes, and then walk out of here and nothing changes right? And then nothing changes. This is what I want us to do. I want us to respond to God. And this is how we're going to respond. You're going to write a letter to yourself. I know, this sounds kind of funny. But as I'm speaking, I believe that you have things that God's showing you right now in your heart. Dreams that you've dreamed things that you have believing God for. And I want you to write to yourself that 2020 is the year that God's going to do what he has promised you to do. What are those things? Maybe you're in debt. Maybe your family's gone astray. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe you are in good health. Whatever it is that you're believing for, I want you to write that down. 2020, now is the time. God wants to make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let me share this with you as you guys are writing too. Some of you in here, you might think, my life is awesome. Like, I, like I'm living the life I prayed for, right? I'm living the good life. I'll tell you right now, I am living the life I prayed for. <laughs> Scott and I, our life is amazing. I love it. We prayed for things. We have watched God come and bring things to pass. 
So your entire life not, might not be a wilderness, but there are aspects of my life that I am still contending for. There are things in my family I am still contending for. I don't want just the great life. I want the fullness of life that God has for me. And I will not be okay with just having a great life and missing out on anything that Jesus paid for. And so if you have a great life, praise God. Ask the Lord, what areas of your life do you still need to contend for then? Because, because even if you have a great life, but we're not moving forward, we're not going from glory to glory and faith to faith, we're still stuck. And God still has so much for you. And so what you're going to do is you're going to write a letter. God, 2020, this is what I believe for. This is what I'm seeing. And next year, we're going to mail these letters back to you. So on the envelope, you're going to want to put your address. We'll stamp them. No one's going to read them. You'll seal them. We're going to mail it back to you. And this is an act of faith. We're going to believe and walk in faith that 2020 is not going to be like 2019 or 18 or 17 or 16. That 2020, God's going to do a new thing. A thing that we haven't yet seen done before. That's what I believe.